When evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Shall we pray? Father, we've been here before and you've been here before with me. I pray now as this very important moment when you wish to speak to your people that I will be hidden and you and you alone will be glorified and we each may see an aspect of you that perhaps we haven't seen before and we will leave this worship better than when we came and better prepared candidates for your kingdom in Christ's name amen hello Advent Hope um, before I begin I wanted to say how apologetic I am for being so selfish week after week from the comforts of my living room, observing Sabbath, appreciating it without giving consideration to what actually goes on here, and having the, the opportunity to be in church today physically and getting a sense of what goes on behind the scene. Um, it is quite extraordinary, the amount of work, and so I want to thank Todd and all the, um, the operatives behind the scenes. I want to give a special shout out to the incredible band that is truly extraordinary, and of course to my friends, the Espana family, for providing beautiful music. It's important to me. I cannot be certain of the day, but it was June of 1971. Jason White was 14 years old. He lived in a modest house with his mother and father, four sisters and brother, in a small fishing community called Rock, near Falmouth, in the parish of Trelawney, Jamaica, West Indies. In the morning of this story, Jason accompanied his father to their small fishing canoe for a planned outing. His dad was a 68-year-old weathered seaman who Jason admired as he did, as did everyone in the community for his encyclopedic knowledge of the sea and its residents. It was as if he knew every wave and current in the ocean intimately. Jason's dad loved the ocean, but he respected it first. Excited, Jason helped his dad load the net, rods, tackle, and bait into the boat, jumped in and watched his dad ease the vessel into the water, then effortlessly hop aboard. His dad's skin was a leathered midnight blue with a hint of red from years of sun exposure. 
The wrinkles and scars on his hands spoke volumes of his many fishing excursions and nautical adventures. Jason never tired of hearing his dad tell these stories, each repeated with greater treachery and risk than before. After fishing for a few hours, Jason's dad announced his concern for the unexpected clouds that were gathering above and the accompanying firm winds and decided it was best that they made their way back closer to shore. He pulled the cord on the small motor once, then twice, then three times. It sputtered but didn't turn. His dad opened the case of the engine, adjusted a few things inside, and tried again, and again, and again. By this time, the winds had increased and the clouds had darkened and thickened. As if he had been here before, his dad handed Jason an oar and sat beside him. They both began to row. The harder they rowed, the stronger blew the wind, and they realized they were being pulled further and deeper out to sea. Exhausted from their futile efforts, Dad shouted above the screams of the winds and roar of the ocean to stop rowing. They would wait the storm out, then try again. But they drifted further and further out until they were well beyond the borders of familiar waters, lost. For the first time, Jason noticed a change in his father's spirit. Was that fear that he saw in his face? He suddenly seemed old, fragile, and vulnerable. They were lost, helpless, hopeless inmates of a vast and unpredictable, everlasting giant body of water. Have you ever been lost? I don't mean the type of lost because you took a wrong turn on a highway or lost your sense of direction on your way to meet a friend for dinner. I mean, really lost. No compass, no map, no GPS, no one or thing to help you. No doors, no windows, just you and your circumstance. Your valley of the shadow of death. Jason's family went to the authorities the next morning to report them missing. Rescue teams scurried the seas as far as was reasonable for a boat that size to be. But after hours of searching repeatedly, they called off the search and Jason and his father were declared dead at sea. Social media wasn't a thing back then, but it didn't take long before news of their tragic death brought the small island to tearful disbelief. After hours of being adrift, the simple lunch they had packed for their day's fishing trip consumed, Jason's father suffered a heart attack. It was clear that the lack of food and his concern for his young son was too much for him to bear. He died leaving the 14-year-old boy alone in the small boat dancing on an endless carpet of shark-infested waters beneath a scorching sun. For two days, Jason watched his father's lifeless body, occasionally calling his name and nudging his corpse just in case. 
Now a victim to the unforgiving son, his dad's flesh began falling away from his body. The large waves tossed the boat mercilessly, his father's dead weight creating a dangerous imbalance for the vessel. Hesitantly, he eventually reached over to his dad's body, now stiff in the cocoon of death, and pushed it over into the jaws of the ocean, then wept. During the days, Jason now alone longed for the cool that came with the moon. And during the night, he prayed for the light that accompanied the sun, his mind drifting with the boat into memories of his 14 years of life, his mother, his brother and sisters, his friends, haunted by the fear of falling asleep and never waking. He drank what little rain water gathered in the boat and ate whatever raw fish he could catch. At times, he'd wave frantically at ships he'd see in the great distance, but they were too far away to notice him, and if they did, he'd never know. With no companionship but the many voices of the sea, Jason spoke to God each day, throughout the day, and waited. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. On day seventeen, an emaciated Jason spotted a large ship. It was still far away, but closer than any he had seen before. He quickly tied a piece of cloth to a rod and waved it vigorously with all the strength his frail, parched, and famished body could muster. The captain of the German cargo ship happened to be looking through his telescope at that exact moment and sighted the canoe. He became curious to see a boat of that size in that part of the sea and ordered the crew to turn the ship towards the small boat. Jason watched as the ship edged closer and closer, becoming bigger and bigger. The giant slid through the sea, dwarfing his canoe as it grew nearer. A large rope, decided, a large rope descended from the giant ship and a man shouted words he didn't understand, but he knew that lifeline was meant for him. Jason grasped it and hugged it tightly as he was hoisted from his father's watery graveyard to freedom. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have a confession to make, Advent Hope. When I was a boy, after every prayer, my mother would have us recite either the Lord's Prayer, the familiar verse of Psalm 1914, you know, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, or the shepherd's psalm. For some reason, my mother was partial to the shepherd's psalm, however. I think it was because of the comfort expressed in its poetry. My mother loved poetry. But I would race to end our devotions with the Lord's Prayer before she began to avoid her beginning with, the Lord is my shepherd. You see, I was afraid of the images my young mind conjured when the words, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, were spoken. 
I found that I found little comfort in the words that followed. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. After all, I was a little boy in the big industrial city of Birmingham, England. What did I know about a shepherd, let alone who the thou was? For years, even into my adulthood, I avoided the shepherd's psalm for fear of that valley. That is until I understood who the shepherd is. The same shepherd in the story of another storm found in the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It is no wonder that each author chose to memorialize the account of that frightful moment when the apostles found themselves in their valley of the shadow of death. Jesus had been teaching large gatherings near the Sea of Galilee and had become exhausted. He longed for a respite from the crowds, so he took a boat with the apostles and headed to the opposite shore where there were no large towns. Shortly after setting sail, Jesus fell asleep. I love this part of the story. It's so human of Jesus to fall asleep. Not long after he had fallen asleep, Luke, 23, Luke 8 verse 23 tells us that a storm arose. Now, I suppose that there were at least four fishermen in that boat, each of whom were very familiar with navigating a boat through a storm. But the fact that they feared for their lives tells us that this was not your average afternoon shower, but a terrifying squall. Matthew called it a great tempest, with waves so large they covered the boat. Each author accounts for water filling the boat, and still, Jesus slept through it all. Don't you love how much Jesus was human at that moment? He wanted peace, just like we do. He was tired, nay, exhausted. Despite the chaos and the terror that was brought on by that storm, Matthew describes it as a tempest with waves so large they covered the ship. Mark tells it as the waves beat against the ship and it was full with water. Mark narrates the account as one in which their lives were in jeopardy. Yet Jesus slept right through it. Mark goes as far to detail that he was asleep on a pillow. I love how genuinely like you and me he was. His humanity qualified him to be the perfect intercession for us because he experienced everything you and I do. Hebrews 2 verse 14, reading from the New International Version, says, For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become merciful and faithful, the faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of God. Of the people. So there lay Jesus amidst the chaos of the storm, asleep while the apostles were in an absolute state of panic, desperately bailing water out of the boat as fast as they could while being hurled back and forth by the turbulence and forceful waves crushing down upon them. Can you imagine how bewildered, angry they must have been to see Jesus balled up in the stern of the ship, snoring deeply? as if the sea were a rippleless blanket of calm. 
What happens next is best described by Luke. Master, master, the apostles cried. We perish. In other words, Jesus, we are going to die. There was an acknowledgement of who Jesus was and what they knew Jesus could do when they called him master, teacher. These professional seamen had come to the end of who they were and now recognized that they needed someone greater than they. And so they awakened Jesus. But while Jesus the man had fallen asleep, it was God who woke up. The master of all creation, he who whispered the seas and winds into existence, spoke with a voice that only the wind and sea could understand. Be still. And the winds and the waves obeyed. Each of the Gospels describes an immediate calm. God of creation rose from the deep depth of his human sleep and rebuked the waves and winds with just two words, be quiet. Stupefied by what they had just witnessed, they stood silent looking at Jesus, bewildered. He looked back at them and with disappointment asked, where is your faith? The German cargo ship took Jason to Panama, where he stayed in a hospital for two days. The Panamanian government contacted the Jamaican government, and Jason was flown back to Jamaica to his family and a hero's welcome. I learned recently about Jason when a friend introduced me to a 2014 interview a Jamaican newspaper had conducted with Jason. At the time, Jason was living in Canada with his wife and children, some 43 years later. He said he still visited Jamaica as often as he could, and he would wake up every morning at 5.30 to go fishing. But the two things that stood out to me about the interview were, one, he acknowledged that the time he had spent with his father fishing on those seas before the horrifying fishing trip had prepared him for the storm and days thereafter. I'll repeat that. The time he had spent with his father fishing on those seas before that horrifying fishing trip had prepared him for the storm and days thereafter. Two, while out in that boat alone with nothing but waters around him, when death seemed closer than life, he relied upon what he had been taught about the faith that comes through prayer. The shepherd was in the boat while he walked through the valley of his shadow of death. Oh, that blessed hope. As I read the interview, I was overcome by a confluence of emotions. My mind flipped hastily through the pages of the chapter that has been 2020. It has been a year that will, will rival the darkest of chapters in the book that is America and consequently each of our lives. For many, it has been a tempest where the pandemics of racism and corona partnered to create frightening waves that flooded boats of privilege and poverty alike with denial, hatred, complacency, racial and social injustice and absent leadership. Every 30 seconds, 
Someone has had to push a loved one into a grave shared near now by 330,000 people. For others, the gales have blown away jobs, fractured relationships, and challenged our faith. We have felt lost and alone, wondering, when will the lifeline descend? When will the tempest cease? When the will the shepherd appear in this walk through the valley of the shadow of death? But there is good news, Advent Hope. Very good news. In the stern of your boat, there lies your Jesus, the master of whatever storm or strong winds that may be assailing you at this very moment. And if his presence does not stir your faith because your storm is so great, I urge you to wake him up, and God will rise and bid your tempest be still. I'm thinking of my brother Al, who lost his dad this week, and the many anonymous Advent Hope family members who are struggling with personal loss and pain. You know your storm. Sickness, income, your marriage, housing, unhealthy or strained relationships, and private addictions, death even. It doesn't matter, because so does Jesus. And when Jesus is in your vessel, you can smile at the storm. Amen? As I close, I consider it valuable that we end with an important realization. In a few days, the final pages of the chapter that is 2020 will be written. With each of us, a character having played an important role. And like every year's end and every new day, God gives us an opportunity to start anew. A tabula rasa, a clean slate, if you will. It's an extraordinary opportunity to reflect from whence we have come with the chance to correct our wrongs and change our world. Let us not forget their names, Corona, George, Brianna, Philando, Ahmad, and the kind of change they represent and demand from each and every one of us. Black, brown, white, whatever your hue, let us not, before entering the new chapter that will be 2021, forget to change the prescription of our biased and judgmental lenses. And like Jesus has done for you and for me, let us see others not for who they are, but for what they can become through the forgiving, transformative love of the shepherd. When I and you change our world, we change the world. So, Advent Hope, in 2021, let's change the world for good. God bless you, and Merry Christmas. <laughs>